Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT Pete here. Thanks so much for tuning in. I appreciate it. Thanks for letting me be a part of your day. If you want to join the conversation at any point during the program, you are free to do so at 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. You can also email Pete at thepetecalendarshow.com. You can also follow along on Twitter and Getter. I am uh, generally tweeting during the show and engaging in unrelated fights with uh, members of the moon bat leftist brigade um also get the podcast if you miss any of the program you can always get the podcast at wbt.com so just listening to the news there at the top of the hour uh and t-mobile uh with the uh, the latest vaccine mandate this is so important that we're going to mandate it by april <laughs> which is it seems I don't know, kind of not like an emergency. You're going to start firing people. Well, first, they're going to put them on unpaid leave, uh, and that's going to be sometime like at the end of February. So they got a month to get the vaccine. And if they don't get the vaccine, then they're going to go on to unpaid leave. And then they get terminated in April because nothing could possibly change between now and April or February 21st, for that matter, right? Nothing about COVID could change that quickly in the span of a month. Nothing at all. By the way, um, Monmouth Poll uh, now out asking the question, quote, it's time we accept uh, that COVID is here to stay and we just need to get on with our lives. Do you agree or disagree with that statement? It's time we accept that COVID is here to stay, and we just need to get on with our lives. Overall, 70% agree with that statement. Then that tracks actually very closely to, if you break this down uh, uh, by uh, political affiliation, independents or unaffiliated in North Carolina, um, they tend to agree, 71% agree with that statement that it's time to accept COVID is here and we all just need to get on with our lives. 71% of independents agree. 89% of Republicans agree. 9% disagree. But Democrats actually disagree with the statement by a 51-47 margin. There are more Democrats disagreeing with that statement that COVID is here to stay. We just need to get on with our lives. So they're unwilling to to get on with our lives like that's the majority view now granted it's i mean it's 51 percent. so within the margin of error you're going to have it's essentially split right that's a so they're evenly divided so it could, it could be 51 49 or whatever either direction fine but that's way out of step with the rest of the country i'm sorry to be the bearer of the bad news there but that's not what the rest of the country believes uh, dare I call it a consensus? And I, as far as I've been told, when it comes to belief in things, it is all about the consensus, right? If it is, right, if there's a lot of people that believe something, then that makes it capital T true, right? The truth, because a lot of people believe it, right? That's the consensus. So the consensus view is We accept it, it's here to stay, and uh, we need to get on with our lives. It's basically settled. Yeah, I mean, the science is settled on this. 
Sorry, Democrats. You're going to have to just get on with your lives, too. Um, we will get to Joe Rogan and the Spotify uh, decision and that whole brouhaha that erupted over the weekend with Neil Young, which I've been reliably informed also that uh, Southern men particularly do not care what Neil Young has to say really about anything for a very long time, as I understand it. Um, but first, a la Pundit over at HotAir.com. Conservative blog, Ala Pundit is his uh, uh, nom de plume, right? His pseudonym that he writes under. But um, he has been uh, he has been one that has uh, sort of bucked the uh, the trend, uh, not just on uh, uh, you know pro Trump views in the uh, Republican Party. He has not he's not a, a pro Trumper, and um, but also on the vaccines. And so he's gotten just dragged by people on the right, even though he is of the right, but he has been dragged for the last, uh, gosh, probably five years now, but especially over the last two with the COVID stuff. He's very, very COVID afraid. So I was kind of surprised to see this piece uh, appear uh, uh, or two days ago, where he says, we have finally arrived at the stage of the pandemic where the New York Times is now too skeptical of COVID restrictions to suit medical pros. The New York Times is now generating backlash from the experts. He says, let me gently suggest that if the beating heart of the liberal media has now begun to chafe against endless precautions, it's the experts not the times who need to rethink their approach. There are a lot of writers over at the New York Times these days, a couple of them, I should say, um, who are openly questioning the forever pandemic logic favored by some on the left, or roughly half. Um, for example, columnist David Leonhard, uh, I've, I've quoted him uh, over the last year or so. Leonhard uh, appears to exert a pretty crazy amount of influence over the Democrat intelligentsia. Sorry. Uh, about COVID, I'm just reading his words. Okay. Uh, uh, the Democratic intelligentsia about COVID policy to the point where recommendations made in this guy's columns in the New York Times have shown up in official CDC guidance. Okay. According to Politico, the president himself is a fan of David Leonhardt's uh, columns. And uh, he said that uh, Leonhardt is saying some things that need to be said to those Americans who are excessively cautious even after vaccination. What kinds of things? Well, lately he's been trying to convince hyper-cautious, well-educated liberals that being out of school is a greater threat to their kids' health than catching COVID, which, by the way, is true. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Pete Callender here. A la Pundit at HotAir.com going over... A uh, story is actually, a, a, it, there's a two-parter here. It's David Leonhardt at the New York Times, but also there was another uh, related article at Politico uh, reporting on whispers that it's hearing. Because, see, David Leonhardt, columnist for the New York Times, is apparently a big-time influencer among Democrat uh leaders and in the white house and such and uh people like the president reads him and uh there's now concern because uh with this influence comes great responsibility and if david leonhardt is going to be writing columns 
you know, telling people, hey, once you get your vaccines and you're boosted, um, then you're probably, you know, if you're in good health uh, and you're young, you should feel confident about getting back to normal. Now, if you're older and you're immunocompromised, you got serious health problems, obviously you're going to be at a greater risk and you need to be more careful. Right. That's what he's been saying. And so this is outrageous <laughs> to people, uh, to people in the medical field, the experts. This is outrageous that he's saying these things. Here's what Politico said. Over the last few months, a long simmering critical conversation among public health experts about Leonhardt's take and his outsized influence has become more audible. And we don't just mean on Twitter. Notable doctors and scientists have written to the New York Times individually or in groups to poke holes in his coverage of the pandemic. And this is of great concern. The problem, though, is that his audience, you think about who the audience is for the New York Times, right? They don't need to be reminded that COVID uh, COVID can kill at any age. They don't need to be reminded that frontline workers are especially vulnerable to infection, right? They're they're not they're not uh, ignorant of these talking points. They've been marinating in that news for two years, so they're grossly overestimating the threat to less vulnerable groups like kids and healthy adults. That's how steeped in this narrative they are. That they have, and I've been talking about this for two years, from the very first um, Gallup polling that was done for Franklin Templeton, the financial advisors, that found wild misperceptions in the risk assessment among Americans, particularly on the left, people overestimating the risk of, of death from COVID. And I mean, like to the point where like some groups, they, they think that it's like one out of two, their chances of catching it and dying are one out of two. And that's that's nuts. That's nowhere near. OK, They're, I'm sorry. I'm just, I, I got a computer program. It's just acting up. So I'm just going to shut it down. So. Um, all right. Yeah, there we go. So the so you've got this um, you've got this misperception of risk that exists on the left. And I've. I've complained about this because you've got people that are in journalism that are then um, interviewing people in elected office, and they are all of that same political persuasion. It creates this feedback loop, and there's no way to break through it. So this guy, David Leonhardt, he's actually doing more to break through that than anything I could ever do because the left isn't going to listen to what I have to say about any of this. Of course not. Oh, you're just a plague rat, Pete. Right. So Allah Pundit at Hot Air, he says, even now with Omicron in decline and the U.S. approaching two full years of COVID misery, Democrats remain on an emergency footing with respect to the virus. But Leonhardt is trying to basically deprogram them by reality checking them on relative risk. And he says, I don't think deprogram is too strong of a word. It's the fact that Leonhardt has taken to pushing back against the forever pandemic mentality captured... Um, in the graph that not the fact that he's occasionally giving short shrift to low-income workers, right? This is the criticism. Oh, he's not paying attention to low-income workers. That's that's not that, that that's a ruse. 
It's that he is pushing back on the forever pandemic mentality. He's annoyed that this mentality um, exists, and he in turn is annoying the public health bureaucracy. And because he's doing so from a plum perch at a newspaper that caters to liberal professionals, there's a whiff of class treason in his approach as well. There may be another dimension to the disgruntlement too. Slowly but surely, the forever pandemic view is slipping among the broader left. Leonhard is just one of a, a couple of uh, columnists at the Times that are unusually visible exemplars of it. But don't forget the spate of op-eds that appeared recently from Democrat parents who have lost what's left of their patience with their schools and the closures in the schools. We're seeing more and more of these types of letters to the editor, op-eds, interviews. So is there some sea change happening in liberal opinion? Is that underway right now? And if there is, the expert class is not happy about it, which leads me to Canada. That is the sound of the protest occurring in Ottawa, the capital city in Canada, massive convoy of trucks and other vehicles choking the highways as protesters who were fed up with the country's strict COVID mandates converged on the capital to vent their frustrations. Uh, we are going to chat with uh, retired Colonel Kurt Schlichter. He is actually a uh, columnist at townhall.com. He's got uh, several books as well, and he has a piece posted called Keep on Trucking. Working class rebels. That's up next. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Pete Callender here, and I want to welcome back to the program retired Colonel Kurt Schlichter. He's a columnist, senior writer at uh, townhall.com, and uh, now uh, now doing a live podcast streaming thing. Is that uh, is that you've added that now to your portfolio? Well, I, I do do a podcast for uh, Town Hall VIP, and of course, I got my columns there every uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And there's a great one there today. Indeed, if I say so myself, which I do. <laughs> That's right. Indeed. So, and it's it's called Keep on Truck and Working Class Rebels. Uh, you say the big rig drivers crossing Canada in protest over the maple leaf mandate Marxism imposed by the ridiculous Justin Trudeau, you say it's a welcome sign of the working-class revolt. So first off, you heard that Trudeau, he, he apparently now has the COVID, too. He got it. Did you hear that today? Uh, I blame uh, Trump <laughs> uh, and, uh, I don't know, trans. DeSantis. Yeah, probably DeSantis. Yeah, probably, yeah. Have, he's, he's certainly playing a part in it. <laughs> so, uh, all right. So, this working class revolt, and this is of a theme. I've I've read a lot of your columns over the last uh, two years, and it's of a theme. The working class, uh, essentially abandoned by Democrats, uh, thrown out of the party. You say more than just abandoned. So, let's start with that. Why? Why did that happen? How did that happen? Was that just over COVID or what? Well, look, this has been going on for a while, and uh, if you look back even 50 years, the Democrats were not, 50 years ago, the radical Democrats were not that comfortable with having a bunch of patriotic, family-loving, flag-waving hard hats. Uh, we're, we're talking the we're, we're talking the regular working guy, uh, often a union member, uh, you know, probably maybe served a hitch in the Marines, uh, then does construction, and that guy was a FDR Democrat. And and was for a lot of years. And there, there's a tension in the Democrat Party. There's got to be tension in a, a two-party system in each party, because you're going to have to have 
you know, coalitions of people who don't exactly fit. Well, you know, traditional uh, uh, working class folks don't fit real well in the present coalition, which is now uh, largely uh, government employees, academics, uh, welfare chiefs, and uh, uh, kind of, uh, you know, unsatisfied uh, uh, liberal suburban wine women. <laughs> and a guy who works with his hands and sweats uh, just doesn't really fit into that. So they kind of, they, they not only abandoned him, but they didn't, but they made sure to um, uh, disrespect them on the way out. These are bad, they're stupid because they didn't get a degree at, uh, you know, Yale. Uh, they're, they're racist. They're uh, primitive. They're knuckle draggers. Some even, uh, some even think there are only two genders. Uh, and uh, they thought, well, we're, we're just going to get, you know, uh, 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 minorities in, and the minorities will uh, identify as minorities. But the, here's the thing that happened, uh, and you can see it in the polling. Uh, you know, Hispanic Americans mm-hmm. identified with the working class, right? Because, and, and and when I say working class, I want to be I want to be really clear. It's not only traditional working class; it includes. You know, I'm an L.A. trial lawyer, and I identify more with a truck driver than I do, uh, you know, a guy who's got, you know, a couple advanced degrees like I do. And there are a lot of guys like me. And I get a great but you can't, you can't care about the working class. You drive a BMW. Yeah, true, but I also started my career out mopping out toilets at Carl's Jr. <laughs> so, right, so and, it, and, it's not all that simple. But it is kind of interesting, Pete, when you see that the uh, socialists who run everything are really upset when the workers of the world are uniting. Right, which is, and you're sort of ground zero for the uh, moon battery out there in California. One of the, I think oh, yeah. you are one of what three, I believe, Republican lawyers in the entire state. I think that's Listen, accurate. Me, Harmeet, and no, that's it. <laughs> that's it. So too. So, um, th- so you you get a firsthand look at it, and I saw also. Uh, I, oh, I also wonder, like, um, with the the COVID stuff, that it's alienating people that are deemed to be sort of essential workers, and they're all having to go and, you know, live under these rules. Uh, meanwhile, I just saw the picture of your uh, illustrious governor there hanging out with, like, one of the most famous immunocompromised people on the planet, Magic Johson, at a, uh, at a yes, suite. Yes, I noted a, that, too. Yeah. Like, what? Uh, like, and I am how, actually, uh, from my palatial corner office, uh, common to working-class folks, I'm actually looking over at the SoFi uh, 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 stadium as we speak. And... You know, the, the rich people gathered there and partied without masks. Um, and then they will want your kids to be in masks and want, uh, you know, the servant class to be in masks. Uh, it is stopping about, uh, you know, epidemiology. It is starting to be about uh, a, a, a message of oppression. And I think people are picking up on that. Right, and so this takes us back to the point that they are what you call the working class is quote activating, um, yeah. and that's what this looks like. And so, and you've got experience in actually going to other countries that were in the middle of civil strife. And so, what does this mean when you say that? Well, look, I mean, we we are so far from civil strife; it's almost not worth talking about it. Though mm-hmm. I do, and in the book I've got coming out in July called "The Fall and Rise of America." from Legnoy. Um, right now we are going through uh, kind of a periodic 
uh, upsurge in normal people reacting. I wrote about this in a book called Militant Normal. Yep. Uh, we saw you know, the tax revolt in the, late, in, in the late 70s. We saw it with the Tea Party. We're seeing it again now where normal people are just saying, look, our garbage elite is failing to address the concerns that we have. And it's, it's not only that they're like negligent. It's that they, are, uh, that they are attempting to show dominance. This is why they want to shut Joe Rogan up, right? And mm-hmm. it's all of the same thing. We want to prevent misinformation. No, they want to control information. They want to control the working class. Uh, working class people are supposed to shut up and obey. And working class people are like, no, I, I, I remember civics from when I went to school before full CRT, and uh, I have a right to participate in my own government. After all, I feed it, I fuel it, I built it, and I've defended it. It's mine. And if you're going to make me pay attention to this instead of the things I want to, like my jet ski and my football and hanging out with my family and going to church, if you want me, if you're going to make me pay attention, you're not going to like what happens next. And we saw that in uh, Virginia. Right. And it's, it's, it is one of the, uh, uh, the problems. If you're going to assert that dominance that you mentioned, if, you, um, if you're not very good at what you are doing, it's kind of difficult to get the buy-in <laughs> required from the people you're trying to dominate. Well, here, here's the test I like to show people. Uh, our, our ruling class, by definition, runs our institutions. In the last 10 years, mainly a functioning quality institution, an institution that you consider to have run well. I don't know, the NFL, academia, uh, Hollywood, uh, the, the law enforcement, uh, or federal law enforcement at least, uh, the military, are you happy with the way any of those are working out? What's the institution that you look at and go, you know, it's pretty squared away. I mean, when I came back from Desert Storm 31 years ago, you know, people were like hugging us in uniform. They loved the military because the military was an institution that was performing. Mm-hmm. What's the institution that's performing now? Name one. Well, that is a good question. So yeah. wait a minute, hang on a second. But you're an attorney. You're an attorney. I thought you guys were never supposed to ask questions if you don't know the answer. I do know the answer. The okay. answer is there is none. Okay. Of course I know the Come on. <laughs> fair enough. All right. Uh, yeah, fair enough. And so you've got the uh, the new book coming out. This Is is this the uh, the Kelly Turnbull no, series? No. Tur- I'm going to do a seventh Kelly Turnbull novel, conservative action novel. I'm, I'm going to do that also. But uh, this is a nonfiction and it, uh, it's going to look at everything that's going on now, and uh, we're going to decide, you know, I'm, I'm going to explore the idea of whether you know, this crazy little experiment we call America is, uh, uh, can withstand uh, the complete failure of its ruling class, because that's what we have. They, they, have, they have failed, mm-hmm. and that's unsustainable. So what, what happens next? Because something's got to happen. Well, and this is, we talked about this, I think, about higher education uh, probably like a year or so ago. Uh, and we, we basically, I mean, it's, it's a credentialing service now, essentially. Yeah. And, uh, no, yeah, but, and look, that, that's if, who's if cranking out to, these people. If you're going to Princeton, which is allegedly one of the top five schools in America, to the extent that that kind of criteria matters, um, you're sitting in a dorm uh, uh, looking at a screen all day because of COVID currently. Where you know, and paying eighty thousand bucks a year for it, right? But you will come out with a thing that said, "I went to Princeton," and people are starting to go, eh, "That credential doesn't matter." I mean, look, when I hire lawyers, if you come in with a Harvard degree, that's not a plus. 
<laughs> no, it, it, it's not. Yeah. What, what have you done and about a bunch of rich and titled people? Can you go talk to 12 people who were, uh, uh, I need people who can go in and talk to 12 people who are honest and patriotic enough that they will show up for jury duty and try and do their best. Can you talk to them and convince them uh, uh, that your client's story is more likely than not true? Most of these guys, you know, if they say, uh, you know, if they say hello to their gardener, that's, uh, uh, to them, that's uh, uh, mixing outside their bubble. Yeah. Uh, Kurt- people are, they've never done anything except fail. Kurt Schlichter, he is a columnist at townhall.com. He's also an attorney. He's an author and uh, now a uh, well a podcaster as well. Townhall.com, the latest piece is called Keep on Trucking, Working Class Rebels. Always good to talk with you, Colonel. Thanks so much uh, for your time. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thanks. Bye. All right. Take care. Thanks again to Colonel Kurt Schlichter from townhall.com. You can read his latest piece. I believe it's open for everybody at townhall.com. Yeah, it's open for everybody. Uh, keep on trucking, working class rebels. Uh, and he is he was writing about what we saw over the weekend. And by the way, this is just the latest iteration of mass demonstrations that have been occurring all over the globe, basically. Just not really here in America, but in a lot of these other countries where the lockdowns uh, and the COVID policies have been way more draconian. And so you're seeing a lot of... Uh, pushback now. Uh, there's a writer uh, at Hot Air called Jazz Shaw said a massive convoy of trucks and other vehicles choked the highways of Ottawa. Protesters who were fed up with the country's strict COVID mandates converged on the Capitol to vent their frustrations. One Canadian security official sent out a warning to lawmakers telling them to keep their doors locked because there were rumors that violent protesters might target their homes. Some of the, I love how these warnings always go out when the protests are by people on the right, but never by people on the left. It's just a, like you're just on your own. Like, oh, my goodness, you're going to have this, you know, left wing protest, uh, you know, going go on out and buy some plywood, board up your windows and stuff. But nobody tells you to do that. You don't get any kind of advance warning that gets published in the media, right, that says, hey, everybody, you got some violent people coming to town to protest. You don't ever, you know, well, you rarely see that. I mean, yes, okay, fine, you know, World Trade Organization, you know, from like the late 90s. Um, the U.S. now, by the way, uh, has the same rule now that the Canadians do, which is what prompted a lot of the uh, outrage from the truckers. So, uh, oh, and some of the protesters... Uh, carried what were described as expletive-laden signs deriding the Prime Minister. (gasps) Not Prime Minister Blackface. No, say it isn't so. It was apparently the army of truck drivers that kicked off all the protest activity. They were upset over a new rule that went into effect two weeks ago requiring all truck drivers entering Canada to be fully vaccinated. The United States now has the same rule for trucks traveling in the other direction. Many of them were pointed uh, we're pointing out the pointless nature of a mandate targeting people who spend virtually all day sitting alone in their vehicle. Does that not strike anybody else as pretty stupid, right? This mandate? Well, but Pete, you know, when, they're, when they get to their destination, they're going to get out of the truck. Or if they stop off and get gas, and they're going to pump gas, then they're going to get out of their truck. And what if they stop off and get some food or something? Then... And they're going to get out of their cab and they're going to walk over and then they're going to get everybody sick with the COVID. 
Others spoke of the number of stores that are already having trouble keeping any stock on their shelves, while some drivers will be taken off the roads. Speaking of the Prime Minister, where was he during all of this? Uh, Apparently, he had fled to a safe space in the United States. That is what the report is. I don't know if it was a NFL playoff game with Magic Johnson. I don't know. Gavin Newsom was there. Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, with all of the draconian measures that California has implemented and all their mask mandates and all that, they're all partying it up at the the football game and in a suite with Magic Johnson, getting pictures taken with him, no masks. Literally the most famous immunocompromised guy on the planet, and you're getting your picture taken next to him without a mask on. But we're supposed to believe, again... If you want us to believe this is as serious as you say, then you need to behave as if it is as serious as you say. By the way, uh, the big protests, there were no reported incidents of violence or any kind of measurable property damage. We actually saw videos of people cleaning up, picking up trash after the event. (laughs) The police did not arrest anybody. Um, most of the people left after the protest was over. In other words, it was a, uh, a large exercise of free speech. And yet, the Canadian government decided that the appropriate move would be for the Prime Minister to flee the country? There are a couple of lessons, Jazz Shaw says here, that the countries without massive protests are authoritarian regimes like China and Iran, the nations with citizens who value freedom. Those are the places where all of this unrest is starting to boil over. And the more stories you hear, like this one I'm about to get to, the more the temperature gets raised. Stories like um, Chad Carswell. This is a guy in Burke County, North Carolina. WSOC-TV interviewed him. He's a double amputee. He's missing both of his legs. He's undergone several major surgeries on his heart. And now he needs a kidney because it's only operating at about 4%. Dave Faraday uh, did the interview with him, uh, with this fellow, Chad Carswell, who says he goes to dialysis three times a week. That's what keeps him going, but that's just a temporary solution. Uh, He needs a transplant. You know where this is going, right? Because there was another story like this over the weekend, too. There are now several of these stories that are now starting to pop up as the vaccine mandates start taking effect. So you got a guy who has been now been told by Atrium Health Wake Forest Baptist Hospital in Winston-Salem, or as I like to call it, the AHWFBH. Yeah, it just rolls off the tongue that way. Um, Chad Carswell says... Friends and local businesses have actually already raised the money to fund his transplant. More than a 100 people have offered to donate a kidney. But because he's not vaccinated, it's not going to happen. And I understand why they have the rules in place. I get that. Like from the hospital's perspective, I understand that. It doesn't make it easier. It doesn't make it a good story. It's not. I mean, this guy now, because he's like, I'm not getting vaccinated. Because, by the way, he said he has some uh, major surgeries on his heart. So are you saying that he he doesn't have a right to be worried that given all of his other health issues, particularly the heart-related ones, that he's concerned about getting the vaccine? Because there are reports of heart problems arising in people who get the shot. 
So now he's not going to get the kidney. And Dave Faraday at WSOC-TV asked him, so you're not going to change your mind? He says, no. I was born free. I'll die free. I'm not changing my mind. In a statement to Channel 9, the hospital said that the policy is in place to provide protection for the patient. See, sometimes you got to kill the patients in order to save them. Because transplant patients are at high risk for severe illness if they don't have pre-existing immunity. Quote, Atrium Health Wake Forest Baptist policies follow the current standard of care in the U.S., which is to vaccinate all patients on waiting lists or being evaluated for transplant. We understand some don't want to be vaccinated. In this case, patients can opt to be evaluated at another transplant center. Right, but if everyone's following the same edict from above, the same protocol, do they really have much choice in the matter? Doesn't seem like it. Stick around. Up next, we're going to talk to Congressman Dave Rouser on News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. 